Hell, I think it would be fair to say that watching an episode of Hollyoaks um, not just changed your life, but I'd say it saved your life. Hey, beautiful people. Welcome back to A Slice of Life with me, Jack Walton. A space where each month I'm joined by inspiring guests with interesting stories to tell. We cover a wide range of topics from mental health to success. Each episode has a motivational takeaway that will leave you longing for more. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I am Jack Walton, a motivator boy, to keep up to date with everything I've got going on. And please rate, share and subscribe wherever you get your episodes downloaded from. Enjoy the show. Hi everybody, I hope you're all doing really well. Thank you so much as always for joining me this month for a brand new episode. What's going on? I hope you're all doing well and having a fantastic day. So this month I have got an amazing episode as always. As I will always say, each month is different and although as you'll be able to tell by now, we have a lot of well-being, mental health related guests. There's always something different to take away from each episode. There's always something to gain. There's always something to learn. And for me, it's such a pleasure because I, I get to sit and chat and I get to take all this in. And every single month, I'm blown away by the sheer amount of bravery and determination and passion that our guests have. And this month, our guest has got that in spade loads. So I am being joined by the one and only John Jr., John Jr. is a mental health campaigner, he's an advocate, and he's just an amazing human being. Me and John actually had the pleasure of meeting in person last year up in Cheshire, in Manchester, where they live, and we just had the most amazing time. So during the episode, John speaks about his journey with mental health, the ups, the downs, the work he now does to campaign every single day, and really importantly, looking at Hollyoaks and how Hollyoaks changed and saved John's life. That is a really big statement to make. I'm going to leave you with that statement. Enjoy the episode, take it in, rate, share, subscribe as always, and yeah, on with the show. Hey, John Jr. Hey, you okay? Nice how to see you. you. I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm in, um, yeah, I mean, we're recording this in a heat wave, aren't we? So it's like 30 degrees where I am. <laughs> dripping off me. I know. How's, um, how's your day been? Day's been good, actually, yeah. Read, read a book. Um... Went to the gym, ended up uh, forgetting my water bottle, <laughs> kind of a, and then I put my money in the uh, vending machine. Yeah, uh, to realise that um, it just took my money and oh, uh, didn't John, didn't give it me, mate. So I was literally doing cardio. Yeah, I felt like I was doing like a cracker challenge or something. You know what I mean? I mean that that's not fun, is it? That is not fun. <laughs> not. Um, oh we, my but, goodness. We managed to get past it and uh, yeah, came back. Here we are. Here we are to do the podcast with you. So uh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You are, you're so welcome. And obviously it's really nice because unlike a lot of my guests, we actually have met in real life, yeah. um, which was, <laughs> do you remember it was only, was it last autumn? I think it was in between the lockdowns, wasn't it? I think it was October time maybe. I think it was um, October time, yeah. Yeah. So I came up to, to Wilmslow where you live and we, I think it was in World Mental Health Day, actually. Or you know something what? Like I, that. I think it was because I, I printed some uh, forms off. Do you remember Time to Change? The, the charity yeah. stopped. It's gone now, Time to Change. It stopped this mm. year. 
Um, and I printed them off. We did some photos, didn't we? So yeah, I think it was uh, was it Mental Health Week. Yeah, I've still got the um, I've still got the poster because it's laminated somewhere. My bedroom <laughs> it is somewhere. Um, but yeah, that was fantastic. It was a really cool day and just like getting to meet you because we connected. I was trying to think about this earlier. It's not been very long. It was last year sometime, wasn't it? On Instagram, we connected. Yeah, I can't remember um, who threw it. Did, did we meet through on a hashtag or was it through a post? Or... Uh, it was through um, it was through Tanya's stuff. It was through Tanya. All right, okay, yeah, her, yeah. Um, her Instagram, it, yeah. yeah. That's it, yeah. yeah. So and, and here we are. The rest is history. Yeah, so it's um, it's so cool to have you on. Like, I just want to like dive into everything about John and your journey, and, like mental health, because obviously now you're like such a big mental health campaigner and figure and you're doing work literally every single day all you need to do is go on your instagram to see that you are constantly putting out support for people you're there for people and it's honestly it's so amazing because you're doing all of this while you're also really like suffering with all of your own stuff and so i think that to begin with is just fantastic that you're doing such a positive thing while also going through it also yourself. So yeah, I think hats off to you, John, seriously. Cheers. Thank you. Appreciate that. Try and take the hat off, but I've got my headset on. So kind of be a bit stuck, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you literally have got a hat on. Um, oh, that's so funny. I mean, I think that's a really good place to start with you. Like, how did you enter like the mental health campaign in space? Like, how did all of this begin? Yeah, it all began, uh, well, in August 2019, I got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Um, And after the diagnosis, I seeked uh, therapy, help. Um, And my area, which is Cheshire East, uh, unfortunately, you can't get the type of therapy that I need, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. Mm. So DBT. Um, So I did a bit of research about it. And uh, it wasn't available in other areas as well. Um, so I did some more research, contacted my local MP, uh, started a petition, uh, and that's how I started. Um, I wanted to change for myself, <clears throat> excuse me, and for other people. That's so, fantastic. Uh, so I went from being a campaigner, campaigning for my own campaign, to a mental health activist that is lobbying with MPs and working with charities to um, get this in parliament which it is at the moment um, but because of corona the coronavirus pandemic we've had a backlog and we're, we're waiting basically we're on the back burner back of the bus as it were you know mm. um <clears throat> so that's how it started it started for me being diagnosed with bpd and not being able to get the therapy and the treatment that i needed so that's where it all began that you know what, that's fantastic and the fact that you've done this campaign as well like tell me more about that how did like what's happening with that? How's it going? Because I've seen obviously like things you've shared online and I've I've also signed it and promoted it, but it's um it's so needed, isn't it? This therapy well, is so needed. Yeah, the therapy, um, it was actually designed for people with borderline personality disorder. Right. And then they've kind of mixed it up a little bit and they're using it for like eating disorders, PTSD, uh, bipolar, depression. People that have uh, self-destructive behaviours, um, mm. self, self-harm, suicide ideation, suicidal thoughts, uh, planning of suicide, and uh, people that attempted suicide. Um, this therapy uh, pushes for a more positive behavioural change. It is a type of cognitive behavioural therapy. Um, it will save lives. I spoke to countless amounts of people on Instagram and off Instagram, professional, non-professional um, people that have had the therapy. 
um, and they all say that it is 95% successful. Oh, wow. To help people with suicide, uh, suicidal ideation, yeah. So, um, yeah, it needs to be more widely available, Jack. It's, uh, it's life-changing, um, literally. Yeah. It'll change I mean, yeah, life. it's literally life-changing. And I think it's a hard one, isn't it, with therapy and access and things, because obviously if you have got the means to afford it, there's private therapy, but so many people now cannot afford to access private therapy. No. Um, and I'm sure you have messages all the time from people who are really, you know, on waiting list of the NHS and trying to get therapy. And but I don't know the actual um, the insight, so maybe you could let us know. I mean, it's quite a while, isn't it, to wait for um, therapy through the NHS? Yeah, so basically what happens is you get referred to talking therapies. Um, right. every, every primary trust is different. Uh, but it's mainly um, talking therapists you get referred to. Firstly, they offer you um, an assessment to see, you know, if you fit the categories for different things. There's different stages like stage one, two, three, and four. Stage one and two is like CBT, you know, your cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Things that can help with like anxiety and depression. And then you go up to like complex uh, services, which is stage three and four, which is more like... Um, People have got like BPD, PTSD, OCD, uh, schizophrenia. Um, people that have self-destructive behaviours, but it's really hard to get on that waiting list because there's a backlog already with with the complex therapies. Yeah. Now, when when you're on that list, it's 12 months, and it could be another 12 months after. Really? That, so it could be two years. Yeah, before you're seen. Oh my goodness. CBT is a lot more uh, widely available, you know. Um, so that's like between six to 12 month waiting list for it. Um, that's a really long time. It is. And even if you do go privately, you've got to get a referral from your GP first. It's not easy, is it then? It's not easy. Not, not at all. Not at all. Um, it's hard work, mate. And it's very, uh, it's very tough. No, it is. And I think that's why your campaign is so important. I mean, what, obviously at the moment, like you say, due to COVID-19, there's a bit of a delay, but what, what do you see happening next? Because you've had so much support from your MP as well. So it, that's going really well, isn't it? That's really positive. It is, yeah. We had um, we had a, a response from Dean Doris, who is the mental health minister. Um, Amazing. And, yeah, we had a response from her. Um, and she said that DBT therapy would be more uh, widely available 2023, 2024 uh, for okay. a, an extra 380,000 people. Um it's great, but we need it now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm I mean, thinking. It's that we need it now, don't we? Yeah. I mean, it, I know it's it takes time. It's the resources and the structures, and they need to get therapists trained up, and it's a it's a long, it's a long yeah. process. But if they have them in the private sector, why can't they have them in the NHS sector? Do you know what I mean? I totally agree. So yeah. I think we just need to keep pushing that, don't we? So again, I will leave the link to um, the campaign in the in the show notes and share it as well and just get as many people as we can because every you know every little helps literally with these sort of things isn't it every yeah. every little helps so I will 1000% do that yeah I'd appreciate um, that of course as a sideline stat you speak a lot about your obviously your borderline personality disorder really? how does that how does that manifest for you because I I'm not as educated on that um, form of poor mental health. Mm -hmm. So like, how does it show up for you? Like how, like, 
or even just kind of explain what what is it like for you with that because I know for you and we can delve maybe this is a good way to delve into your mental health because there's not just BPD going on is there there's no there's other, there's other things going on as well <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the, there's multiple things depression yeah. anxiety you've got OCD intrusive mm. thoughts um, a lot. you know when we went out for that meal did I use an iPhone fork or did I use some tongs I can't remember um, I it was an iPhone and fork but obviously it was um things like we're touching and stuff so we we have to be careful don't we with that yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. touch it. Or if you touch something, or did we share a garlic bread? I can't remember. We did. We yeah. did. It's lovely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, did I say to you like, oh, watch, oh, don't touch that side. Which, which. Yeah, yeah. We, we did all that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. So that's part of the LCD. It's so annoying, just the intrusive thoughts and you touching, mm. thinking I'm touching something, but yeah. So the depression, the anxiety, the OCD, and with the OCD comes with intrusive thoughts, germ contamination, right. lining lining things up as well. Um, got something called Kleinfelter syndrome, which I was born with an extra X female chromosome. Uh, in turn, um, I feel like I'm in limbo constantly. I don't feel like a man and don't feel like a woman. I feel like I'm in between. Right. Um, and then with a the borderline personality disorder and PTSD, you know, I've got a whole list, mate. It's like a shopping list, literally. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And I think... As well, so obviously, um, I've not said it yet, but you choose to identify as they them. Is did. that did was that is that been a recent thing? Is that due to the um, the BPD or like you say you were born with um, was it an extra chromosome? Yeah, an extra X female chromosome. Yeah, right. Okay, is that how like the the pronoun change came about? Yeah, um, I've always felt like I wasn't her or him. I've always felt like I was them. Right, right. Uh, before I even discovered what gender fluid was, <laughs> it, took yeah. me, it took me a long time to discover what that was, you know? And when I heard it, when I seen the definition, I was like, that's me. Wow, that's me. And I'm like... Isn't that amazing, though, when you can relate fluid, to yeah. something? Yeah. It's, that's it's, so it's, lovely when... Because, obviously... Uh, and obviously you're a little bit older than me and when I was growing up especially, it was very, you know, you're a man or a woman and mm -hmm. transgender wasn't spoke about and that's only going back like a few years i mean now it's a lot more prevalent so just to see that actually you don't have to fit into that certain box i bet that was a, a really big turning point for you it was a huge turning point i only recently discovered what gender fluid was um you know i've always felt you know don't feel like a man don't feel like a woman i feel in between um, mm. I, I always joke to people and say I'm superhuman because I have an extra X female chromosome. <laughs> so I feel like I'm I'm both sexes in one, um, but a bit more feminine, a bit more um, emotional. Um, that's you know that's part of the Kleinfelters, but it's also part of the BPD as well. So you're like, hmm, which one is it? But I don't like to label things, you know. But yeah, I get you. And I think it's. Um... It's amazing the work you do on social media with that because every day you're really you're documenting what you're going through, but at the same time it's helping people to see that they aren't alone with their stuff as well, like people that might suffer with BPD or OCD or anything else. Yeah. You're really showing them, like physically, these are the symptoms that I'm dealing with. Mm. And I think, and I'm sure I'm sure it was the same for you, when you start having intrusive thoughts, for example, um, or different behaviour, it must be really scary because you feel like you're completely alone um, and like nobody else is going through it. So to have that coverage through your Instagram, it's making such a difference because people are just seeing, oh, okay then, so John's experiencing this, I'm also experiencing this. 
it's going to be okay and there's some hope out there for me. Yeah, it's, it reassures people that they're okay. You know, it reassures that the mood is temporary. Um, mm, we'll as, get on to that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's reassurance. And, you know, I preach all the time that we're not alone. But when I'm in that, when I'm in that um, emotional mind, yeah, yeah, that um, irrational mind, I'm like, you know what? I'm alone. I hate life. Uh, I'm mm. so lonely. Um, and then he thinks he said, we go back in that wise mind and go, I'm not alone. I'm not lonely. Just, 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 it's just a feeling at that time, you know. Well, I you totally do, get that, you know. You understand what I mean? I can actually relate to that bit because it's, it's like when you are on that kind of low um, with your emotions or your mental health. I always say that. Like I'm not in my right mind. And when I'm in my right mind, like you just said, I, I know that, yeah, I'm not alone and I've got people and everything's going to be okay. But when you're not in that headspace, it can very easily be the opposite. Yes. So it's, um, that is such a good point, I think. And like you say, the mood is temporary. And you share that statement a lot. And it's so interesting because everything that you're saying is so true. The mood is every single mood is temporary if we're happy right it's temporary if we're sad it's temporary if we're excited it's temporary everything is always in a state of flux isn't it it's going up it's going down it's going up it's going down Mm. um and that's that's kind of the beauty in a way of having fluid emotions that we can in one day we might experience you know happy sad anxious excited and i know that sounds like a lot but it's right isn't it that's how really it can happen it you don't you don't, we don't always experience happiness. We don't always experience sadness. It can be anything on that spectrum. Um, and I think it's about normalising that, in a way, every single emotion that we have is okay and valid. Um, that's really important for me to remember because, obviously, you know, I'm really into positive thinking yeah. um, and the law of attraction. And when I first started getting into it five years ago, I'd feel really bad for having negative thoughts because I thought, oh no, if I have a negative thought, maybe something bad will happen or maybe I'll manifest something bad. Um, and that, that was a really big one. And now I see that, wait a minute, whatever emotion I have, it's going to be fine. I mean, I can have bad thoughts, bad emotions, I can have a bad day and it, it doesn't ruin anything. It doesn't define anything. Um, so I think it's important to know that every emotion is valid and don't be afraid of the more negative emotions. Um because they're all they're all part of it, aren't they? But it's about not getting caught up in that, um, and that's why the work you do is really important in realizing that mm. don't get bogged down in it. Because when you get bogged down in it, it can be tricky then, as you know, to um, to, yeah, get, yeah. to get out yeah. of it really. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, it's it's when you're in that say that emotional mind, and you mm. think the whole world is against you. You're not wanted. You're not loved. You're not liked. And um, it, the thing here is to recognise, once you've recognised that the mood is temporary, mm. and you remember that memory, yeah, you can always get out of it. Have, right. you ever, have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like you're feeling so low, you're so anxious, and you're like, you know what, it's never going to change. But you, yeah. know, you, know, you know something, it is going to change after you mm. feel reassurance, get reassurance from some, somewhere or someone or grounding techniques, and you come out of it. Just a little example, I was at the, came to the gym this evening, and uh, I forgot my water bottle, so something changed. I was like, oh, my gosh, what the hell? Went to the vending machine, put my money in, didn't give it me, so I was like, oh, my God, something else. Ugh. I had to take myself to the toilet and lock the door because I would have screamed in the gym and potentially harmed myself because that's the reaction from the borderline personality disorder. We either right. rage, we feel sorrow, we feel burn when something doesn't go our way, something changes. So I recognise that and I know 
that that will pass. So I took myself to the toilet away from everyone else, locked in there, and I screamed in the toilet, and I felt better afterwards. And I did a vlog on Instagram and said, I put, you know, come in the toilet, lock the door, because I don't want to embarrass myself in that gym, because that's what I will do. I'll embarrass myself, then I'll feel bad afterwards, and then I'll feel depressed. And then I calmed myself down, and then left the toilet and did my session. It was fine. And that's the first time in a long time I've ever been able to do that. Wow. That's, that's fantastic in a way because you you literally saw it all unfolding. So yeah. you took yourself away into more of a safe space, I guess. Yeah. Um, and you did what you had to do. Mm-hmm. And I recognise that the mood is temporary. And it is. Every time you keep saying that to yourself, keep reminding yourself, subconsciously yeah. it sinks in. I think that's, yeah, I think that's incredible. And we'll, we'll get on to the mood is temporary and um, your project later on because that's going to be really interesting to um, to delve into. I have to like mention as well, you mentioned about OCD um, and obviously we've been in COVID-19. So I'm just wondering how, how has it been to navigate lockdown and COVID? And it's almost like you're kind of, because I, I know people that, it's a bit different. I know people that have got health anxiety and it's kind of been like their, their worst fear has actually come true. So to navigate that has been incredibly challenging. Yeah, I can relate to that as well. Yeah. <laughs> kind of de- I kind of developed the health anxiety through lockdown with the OCD. My OCD mm. has always been bad, and I've always been funny about touching things, eating things, but as soon as Lock- Boris Johnson put us into lockdown, you know, feeling suffocated and trapped, not being able to go out, um, I was wearing gloves and loads of masks when I went out. Um, and it was challenging. I didn't want to go out. I just wanted to stay in. And it did make my anxiety and my OCD so much more, more worse. It was awful, mate. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, and then after I had COVID, I felt a bit, a bit more relaxed. I was like, oh, I've had it. So yeah. maybe, maybe I'll be fine now. But I was still wearing the masks and stuff like that. I was still worried. Um, but yeah, the lock, lockdown and the COVID, you know, the pandemic, people dying and that, uh, it really, really sent my anxiety through the roof. Um, you're right yeah it's been tough hasn't it and I think even if you don't have health anxiety it's just been a very like the energy everywhere has been so anxious um obviously we're recording this now and things feel a lot better but not so long ago like you know in 2020 it was like people were crossing over the road to avoid each other I remember that literally going on walks outside and people would literally cross over um rather than walk past me because they were, you know, just anxious about the virus. So it's, yeah. um, it's, it's been a hard time, but I feel like hopefully now we're starting to move out of it, fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully. But uh, you've got to be optimistic, haven't you? We have to be, yeah. Intrusive thoughts are like, it ain't going in nowhere. But anyway, I don't listen to it because it's not real. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, so. I get you, I get you. Um, so I, I can't believe I've not mentioned this yet. In the background, I see somebody that I know. Um, I see him behind you. I see Charlie. Oh, yeah, Charlie's there. There he is, yeah. Um, He's just chilling. There he is. How have we yes. not mentioned this yet? So, John and Charlie's journey. It's Charlie. <laughs> tell us about yeah. So tell us about how you met Charlie. Tell us who Charlie is, and then we can speak about the work that you've done together so far, because this is, like, for me, incredible. I got to meet Charlie last year, too, didn't I? You did. You did indeed. Um, how Charlie came into my life was I seen him in a shop window all alone on his own and he was gathering dust. It was disgraceful. Aww. The way he was treating him was disgraceful. So I went in and asked about him and he said to me, uh, he's not for sale. I was like, oh. Oh, he's not for sale. Okay. He'll have to come back at the end of the month. 
when we, you know, changing the stock and stuff. He's the only one left. Um, so I was like, okay, so I bought him. Um, uh-huh. And um, I actually bought him for my mum. <laughs> it's an impulsive thing. So I bought him for my mum. He's been in my life for about eight years now, something like that. Um, wow. I didn't said, realise it was that long. Yeah, eight years, yeah. And she said, what have you, what, what's this you bought me? I said, it's for you. She's like, oh, so imp- impulsive thing. I was like, yeah, it was, it was a silly thing. Anyway, cut a long story short, um, I um, went through a really dark, depressive stage and spent three years in my bed and not coming out of my room. And I started, like, chilling with him, cuddling him, going to oh. bed with me. Uh, when I was having a bath, he used to come and sit in there with me and he used to, like, I was, he used to go, like, how can he talk? And I was, like, practising things. I was, like, going... Bibs. And then, I was, and then I started doing the quack, like, yeah. and it started coming. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna carry on doing that. So I was like, just talking to him, you know, just, hey mate, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm all right, thanks. How are you, etc. And then oh. um, after that, my dad died, and uh, in March, fifteenth of March, two thousand and eighteen, he died suddenly I'm at sorry. home. In this room that I'm in, um, oh feel more. It is, it is quite like crazy, but yeah, I feel more comfortable. I feel very comfortable, comfortable in here. I feel the uh, the whole energy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Um, so it is kind of comforting in a way. <clears throat> um, and then after he died, I um, was with someone. Didn't really work out. Left them, and then I started. Um, I started John and Charlie's journey. Uh, yes. and our, our very, our very, very first um, journey was to uh, Manchester markets in November, which would be 2019. Wow! My mum still got the photograph when we went, um, which is pretty cool. She sends it me sometimes. Saying, Do you remember when you started that? I was like, Yeah. Thank oh, you. Wow! And uh, it was in a rucksack in my bag, in my backpack, and we we went to Manchester. Yeah. Um, got an Uber there, which was great. <clears throat> and the driver took us right outside the markets and we just sat down and I randomly started speaking to this armed police officer called James. And we're still in touch now, uh, which is incredible. Amazing. And he said to me, what are you doing with that duck, mate? Is he all right? I was like, yeah, he's all right. Has he got any idea? I was like, no, nah, mate, he's got no idea. And we just had a laugh. And he was like, <laughs> um, <clears throat> we had a good chat and he was telling me about his days and stuff and how he got into the police and et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, you're not a cod geek, are you? I was like, I am, but he said, so don't worry about it. He said, because I keep getting all these cod geeks telling me what weapon I've got, what magazine I've got. I said, it does me head in. It does me head in. <laughs> so it's nice to have a conversation with something a little bit rare and a little bit different because mm-hmm. he says you never ever see any guy getting about with a duck and uh, trying to raise awareness for mental health. And he gave me a lot of confidence and a lot of advice, and I still use that till today. And do you know what I love about that as well? That really, that one day in Manchester, since then, I mean, like, tell us about what's happened since, because you, literally, Charlie has been on tour, hasn't he? Where hasn't yeah. Charlie been is the question. <laughs> He's been everywhere. We got, uh, we got invited to Google in London. Yes. Uh, King's Cross. That was incredible. <laughs> We went to YouTube studios as well. And apparently you only get to go there if you've like got, is it 100,000? It's true. Views, yeah, yeah, yeah. Subscribers, something like that. Mm. Um, that was interesting. There was there was different artists there as well. Um, so it was nice to meet people. But we couldn't take photos, unfortunately, because it was against their rules mm. or whatever for socials. But it was great. We went to Google. It was absolutely incredible. Um, 
it was so cool. I felt like an absolute G mate. Oh yeah, bowling in with with uh, Charlie. Um, but we, we kind of because they're kind of impartial and they don't get involved with that mental health stuff. We kind of just went there as a guest, which was nice. I love that. Um, it was great. Fantastic people. Lovely, lovely place. Um, mm. Yeah, it was very futuristic. Like your face is your ID. You, you just look at Ooh. this camera. And, uh, you look at the camera and the gates open. It's crazy, mate. Okay, now that's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> I love that. And obviously since then, even more happens. I mean, what would you say was that defining moment for John and Charlie's journey? Because I, I feel like I know what you might say, but obviously some pretty major things happened, didn't they, with mm-hmm. you and Charlie? Um, yeah. And I guess you went from being really just kind of doing it yourself to then becoming known and, and recognised and things kind of got quite... The momentum grew really fast, didn't it? It did. Um so um, my very close friend, best friend, Carly Booth, golfer, um, we um, were chatting about my campaign and what we're doing and that. And I got introduced to Keith Duffy, that was in <gasps> Boy Zone. Uh, wow. You know, we socialised together, meal together, drinks together, stuff like that. It was great. Told him what I was doing. He said to me, we're going on tour, um, him and Brian McFadden. Uh, oh wow yeah nice when they've, when they've left uh boy zone uh and they came together to make a band called boys life said to me you can come to um one of the gigs uh come and bring your mum you know bring whoever you want i was like right, okay no problem yeah there was no mention of this of me going on stage you know mm. that, we'll come to that bit um so he said you're gonna bring charlie i was like yeah yeah i'm gonna bring him 100 so it did uh but before that let's just rewind a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, I sent a load of emails out to local businesses in Winslow to tell them what I'm doing. I'm raising awareness uh, for mental health, blah, 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 blah. I sent one to Tanya Bardisley's boutique in Winslow. Yes. Um, and um, oh. oh. I forgot. You get, was there. Are you getting For, emotional? No, no, I'm just like... Um, a little bit, very anxious and clammy, yeah. Um, they, no, it's done, okay. Yeah, they've done a lot for me, mate. Like Liz, the ma- the manager of the boutique, um, she's done so much for me, helped they me have. so much and supported me, 100%. Um, yeah. And because of all the hard work and the help that her and Tanya have done for me, I said to Liz, would you like to you, Would you like to come along to the, the Boys Life concert mm. um, be my guest? So she came. It was incredible. Um, and then like halfway through the show, Keith Duffy was like, I just want to change you up a bit. I was like, looking, looking around at my mum and then Liz is like, what's going on here? I want to change up a bit. There's a, there's a guy in the audience, my friend, John from Wimslow <gasps> is, uh, raising awareness of mental health. Uh, oh. and then goes into about his friend, Caroline Flack that passed away. Oh, uh, well, yeah. took her own life. Awful. Um, so he spoke about her and about what was been going on with that and about myself. And then he was like, where is my friend, John? Where is he? And then this big spotlight came on. I was like, oh, my <gasps> gosh. Wow. This big, this big spotlight came from nowhere. Where is he? And I was like, like this. And he's like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? So <laughs> I got Charlie like this. said, there he is. Get down to the stage now. Come on the stage now, my friend, and all this stuff. So I went down. It took me forever to go there, <laughs> but I got there. And uh, I had no confidence then. I had no confidence whatsoever. I couldn't mm. speak to anyone. I would get red. I'd get upset. And um, getting up on that stage was the most 
scariest time in my entire life, talking to thousands of their fans. You know, yeah. um, it was it was horrible. And he whispered in my ear and said, "You're going to change the world. Mm. You can do this." Um, so I did, and I told people what I was doing, and he was telling people that I was struggling with mental health. Getting on stage as a guy, I know I don't define myself as a man. I define myself as gender fluid, but getting on as a man, you know, people in the audience see a man. Yeah. Um, I stood on that stage and told them that I was struggling with my mental health and struggling with, with life and telling them what I'm doing with John and Charlie's journey, what I'm doing to help the people, serve the people. And I did it. And, mate, I'm not kidding you. I was, I felt like I was on a cloud. I felt like my body wasn't even there. It was just my spirit was speaking. It was crazy. Mm, that makes sense. It was it was the most weird, weird, weird experience. And afterwards, I sat down and I was shaking, physically shaking. I could not believe what I did. And from that day, I had so much confidence, mate. And um, yeah, the, my confidence went straight up. I had low self-esteem before I got on that stage. And after it, I had no uh you know, self-esteem yeah. issues. I had no low confidence. It was all high and all positive. It makes sense, though. Do you know what? It makes sense because prior to that, doing something like that would have been the, you know, your worst nightmare. To actually what, get it? up. Thousands of people. Obviously, I've seen the photo, so I'll include the photo, a link to it, because the photo is amazing. You can just see a sea of phones and light and people behind you, like thousands of people. It is it's beyond. I mean, to get up and do that. It was my biggest fear, mate. My biggest fear was to stand in front of people and talk. I hate it. I hated it when I was a child. Yeah. Uh, I hated it when I was an adult. I hated it. And now I love it. And I will talk to thousands, millions of people and tell them that they're not alone. And oh. I, I'm here fighting for you all. And do you know what I love so much about that? You've got such a bigger purpose. And I think the concert that night, to me, that was the real turning point for you. When I look over your journey since then, that was the real, like, that light bulb moment. Like, something that night, something happened that night, and since then, something switched. I feel like something, like, inside of you, like, somewhere deep within, in your core, like, really switched onto this. It and did. it's almost like, because you've got such a purpose to help other people, mm. like, the fear the fear of that judgment, because I've had this, that fear of being judged by other people and what they're going to think of you, it almost dissolves when you actually have that bigger purpose because you don't really care. You just want to get your message out there mm. as much as you can. So that fear, it kind of just creeps away and it kind of just dissolves because you just want to reach as many people as you can. So, yeah. And I will say, before I got on that stage, I was worried about what people thought, think yeah. of me. Uh, how I dressed, how I looked, how I spoke, and mm. you know me, raw and real. After that, it completely changed me. I feel I felt like a new person. Wow! You know, you know something, something walked inside me. Yeah, yeah. The, the new came, and the old went. Um, mm. and, that's, and I can't explain it to people because they go, "Oh, okay." No, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. It was a big turning point, and obviously. From there, you did lots of work with Tanya, which we spoke about for the purpose of this. Tanya's on The Real Housewives of Cheshire. Um, Tanya Barsley, she's, she's fantastic, isn't she? And obviously, through her, like other things have happened, haven't they? You've done stuff with Lad Bible and all sorts. Like, tell us about the different like campaigns and the work you've done since, because there's been all sorts of names flying about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we've done all sorts of things. Um, so after the concert, um, 
Tanya, um, Tanya's team um, said, well, Tanya said, you know, you create this wellness hub together and do it together, run it together, do like a little pop-up um, mm. pop uh, event things. And we did that. I went to one of them um, called uh, Box Football in Cheadle. Um, oh, cool. It's like an indoor football thing. And uh, everyone had like a stand. There was like a lady that did like reflexology. Nice. A lady that did like massage. A lady that did like sporting clothing and stuff like that mm. and there's like tiny stuff like a lot of like the candles and a lot of oils and stuff like that, cool. that they sold and stuff like that and then there was me and charlie and we were just speaking to people about mental health oh. um and that was so cool man so we like created this came together and created this wellness hub and uh, we did something online um but because of covid it kind of all stopped and crashed and kind of things so we didn't really pick it but pick up pick anything back up from that but hopefully um, when all this blows over we can go into more events together and start doing more speaking and stuff so yeah that's gonna be incredible and i'm gonna be coming back up to see you as well and i think me and you would maybe do um do a few things i, I can see that for sure um we've yeah. collaborated before haven't we so it's always um always up for it john to be honest because we're we're very aligned aren't we in terms of what we want to do and um i think it's interesting because for us being friends i would say you've kind of got into more of the spiritual side and um, which isn't for everybody but i know you've really kind of you've started exploring the spiritual side of life too haven't you how's that how's that been going like spirituality um how's that field? been going yeah it's, it's crazy it yeah, is crazy, crazy good yeah uh, i wasn't a believer and now mm. i am when you have things done to you and things are performed on you and you open your eyes and you see things, you feel things, you know, yeah. how can that not be there? You know, when a room was, was uh, light and then it's suddenly dark and it's daylight, that doesn't make sense, does it? Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it was crazy, um, crazy amazing. And I'm actually having, having another Reiki session tomorrow. I can't wait. Looking oh, are you enjoying the Reiki? Is it, is it benefiting you, do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, benefiting me, yeah. Um, yeah, the chakras and, and all that. So my, my heart chakra and solar plexus uh, chakra is, is yes. a, little, a little bit closed, a little bit blocked up because yeah. of like relationships, friendships, grief for the heart one. Makes and then sense. The, and then the solar plexus one, like a little bit of negativity, but a lot mm. of positivity. The thing like, you know, trying to juggle it about, but whatever. And Honestly, you know, honestly, we could do like a whole episode just on chakras and Reiki and... So I've actually done my level one Reiki now. So I'm not Amazing. sure if I told you this. Yeah, so I've trained in Reiki. So I might give you some Reiki at some point. That's um, amazing. Please, yeah. please, please do, yeah. While we're waiting for our food, you know, just uh, warming your hands up on my head or something. <laughs> I literally can because I've done, so I've done level one, which means I can give it to family and friends. And then I want to do level two, which means I can actually do it like properly. Um, so I'm I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it's... Um, it's interesting because a lot of this stuff, you can't really physically see it. So it's, it's energy and it's work on energy. But when you experience it, you do feel the effects afterwards. And I'm sure you'd agree, like after you've had Reiki, it's hard to explain because it's different for everybody, but you do feel that lightness. You feel like a weight's been lifted. Um, people can sleep better. I mean, there's all sorts, isn't there? It's, um, it's, it's incredible. Since I've had that, I feel brand new. Wow, I feel, I feel completely different. Um, I feel like I can, I'm getting more like I'm connecting people which are I would never thought thought I'd connect with, um, mm. and a lot of people that are feeling a lot of positivity around me. A lot of people that say, 
you know what? Something just happened to me strange today after you left or when we were together, strange things are happening. My friend Claire, for example. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a little example. We went to Traffic Centre in Manchester mm. and she was picking up, well, she wasn't picking this up, but uh, she showed me an email on her phone saying, oh, the Pandora bracelet thing's not ready till next week. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I reckon I'll be ready at the end of the day. No, wow. no, I won't. She got a text message as we were leaving saying it's ready to be collected. <gasps> Crazy. What are the odds? What are the, what are the, what are the odds? Okay. What are the odds of that? And then I didn't know that her, I didn't know that her um, favorite number was three. Mm. And um, we went up for something to eat, and I was picking like, mm, where should we sit? And I said to the guy, "Can we sit over there? Yeah, I like that table right there. That table is number three. Oh, oh, same day." Oh my goodness, what are the odds? I mean, that that in itself. Do you know what though, Jolly? In a way, a lot of this makes sense because you do attract people and you do attract things like based on your energy. So now that you're doing a lot of this work, your energy will be shifting. So you are going to like, as you said to me on Instagram um, a few weeks ago, you are attracting more spiritual people into your life. It makes sense because you're putting out that vibration and you're now connecting with people that probably, you know, five years ago, you wouldn't even be friends with. No, no way. And it's it's a really, uh, it's a very interesting way to look at things. High vibration, low vibration. You look at food, yeah. alcohol, low vibration. You're Whole right. grain foods, high vibration. Why? Because it's natural and it's good for you. Alcohol isn't. You know what I mean? Oh. So anything that's bad for you is a low vibration. Anything that's good for you is a high vibration. Here same it with is. It's the same with people, isn't it? Because mm, so in- yeah. yeah, positive people are high vibration. Negative people are low vibration. And they're just going to bring your mood down. So you pick where you want to be in your life, high vibration or low vibration. It's very interesting. Since I've had that, um, since I've had it two weeks ago, my whole life's completely changed. Um, That's amazing, John. Yeah, it's incredible, mate. I absolutely love it. Um, it really is. And um, like, we'll, we'll speak more about that like off the podcast as well, because I'm just interested to hear how it goes and, it's just beginning for you. The it journey is, is literally just beginning. So definitely 1,000% keep you updated on that. Um, so speeding up to, to this year, to 2021, I have to mention Hollyoaks, um, specific Hollyoaks in real life, and how I think it would be fair to say that watching an episode of Hollyoaks um, not just changed your life, but I'd say it saved your life. From speaking yeah. to you personally, yeah. yeah. It has, yeah. I wouldn't be here now, mate. I'd be dead. And that's the that's real talk. Speak to uh, us about that. Um, what would you like to know? Everything. <laughs> yeah, take take us to take us back to the beginning with, with the Hollyoaks episode and and what transpired. That's fine. So uh, one second. Can you pause this? Is that all right? I can. Yeah, just the dog's bark. Oh, John. How's him? How, how's your dog doing? We had to pause it. How, how is your dog okay? <laughs> yeah, the dog's all right. Yeah, he was literally. Um, there barking. we go. Working <laughs> from home life, isn't it? I mean, there we go. On That's Zoom. the one, mate. Yeah. That's the one, mate. It's uh, and it's hot as well. You know what? It's, it's hot. I mean, John, the best thing about recording this remotely on Zoom is that I'm, obviously I'm here now, but you can't see from the way I stand. I've got my shorts on, and I'm just kind of like airing myself, and it's great. So, you know, there's benefits to doing it on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get that. I get that. No, it's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah, so tell us about tell us about Hollyoaks. 
Okay, so uh, last year in June, I watched um, an episode on Hollyoaks where um, Darren and Nancy were distressed about Nancy's boyfriend that took his own, own life, Kyle. Uh, he committed suicide. Uh, I'll run through what went on if you'd like. Would you like me sure. to tell you yeah, really how, how the storyline pans out? Yeah. So Darren was at the door with a police officer and they were both distressed and they came in to speak to Nancy. And uh, Darren approached Nancy and said, I've got something to tell you. Um, Kyle's taking his own life and she didn't believe him. She was in disbelief. And Darren was like, I was there, saw him. Saw him. It was too late. I would have saved him. Uh, and they were both dis distressed. And uh, from the police officer at the door, it sort of like did something to me. He was like, oh, what's going on here? Imagine if that was my brother or my mum at that door. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when... Uh, Darren and Nancy were distressed to each other. Um, the penny kind of dropped in a way. If that, if that's how I can explain it, like, mm, yeah, ooh, it was like, it was like, a, you know, like a gut feeling. Like, mm. oh, imagine if that was my mum being told that that I was, you know, I took my own life, basically. And then it uh, that basically stopped me from continuing my plans that evening. I was uh, going to take my own life, and I rang Samaritans in disbelief. And they're, um, they're a listening service, so they can't give any advice, which was great because I just wanted to ramble on. Uh, and they were incredible. They helped me just by listening. And um, I went out for a bit and was like, what the hell was going on? I felt like I was trapped in a tiny box, like imagine a bear like holding onto you. And then you like that release gone. When, that, when, when I seen them distressed, when I seen Nancy and Darren distressed, that release, and I was in disbelief and I didn't know what was going on because it was the emotional mind, the depressive mind, you know, that wanted that feeling to stop. I didn't want to die. I just wanted the feeling to stop. Mm. And I'm so glad that I'm here to uh, share the experience with yourself and help the rest of the world in doing so. I'm so glad you're here too. I just wanted to say thank you for being here because I just have so much... Whew, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> I have, okay. I have so much respect for you because really, in hindsight, if it wasn't for you watching that particular episode on that particular night, yeah. you might not be here now. Um, that episode and the way it was portrayed, and I think you said it best where because you saw how distressed they were, you immediately put that, uh, you put yourself in the shoes of what your mum would be like or your brother or your friend or just everybody who loves you. Mm. And then you realise, like you said, I, I don't, I don't want this. I just want it to stop. And yeah. I, I hear that. I hear that a lot. I really yeah. feel that it's, yeah. it's really about I want this to stop. Whether it's the thought or whether it's the emotion, I just want it to stop. Yeah. And you do, you do want you, yeah. you, you, do, you, you don't want to die, but that's the only way out you see fit. You know that feeling will stop if I take my own life. That's the only way I saw it. And I was going past my mum like I was fine, going past doing my stuff online with my, with my work and that, campaigning, uh, acting like it was all right. But really, I was, you know, going out, getting stuff and et cetera, et cetera, um, and acting like it was okay. You know, sitting down, eating my meal, my mum was like, yeah, it's cool, uh, talking about her future plans. I was like, yeah, yeah, can't wait, et cetera, et cetera. But really, you know, I You're was really struggling. Uh, yeah, I was struggling, yeah. Um, and because of the work that I do uh, at the time, um, a lot of people see me as a role model. 
Imagine me, opening, imagine me opening up back then. This is how I thought. This is how I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I've got issues. I want to kill myself. I want to take my own life. You know, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like a failure. So nah. I wasn't going to say anything to anyone and uh, just, uh, you know, continue with my plans. And it was really ironic because um, seeing that played out was how I was feeling inside. And um, it was, you know, looking back at it, I don't get upset anymore by it. I am, I do get a clammy and get anxious and stuff and, you know, get a dry mouth talking about it. But mm. I'm not over what happened. But, like, when you talk about something that's like that more than three times, the psychiatrist, uh, Gareth, from the welfare line pictures, was speaking to me about, when you go over your experience more, more three times or more it doesn't affect you like it did and it doesn't i feel f- so comfortable and confident talking about that with yourself i feel like more confident now than doing than filming with line pictures i was so scared i went to the toilet cried my eyes out saying to myself i can't do this and then a little person in my voice in my, a little man in my, in my head was like you can do this go and help them people look at that camera go and smash it because you wouldn't be here if it wasn't from them people in that room. You're, and so, did. Right. You're so right. And that that leads on well to speaking about Hollyoaks in real life. So it's, this is yeah. interesting because isn't this funny? I had the pleasure of getting to promote this and be involved in this campaign. And do you know what's really funny, John? For So I was asked to take part in this and I said it's for a guy called John Jr. Um and I was like, wait, this is my friend, John. This is yeah. John. Yeah. Um, and obviously I had to keep this from you. I couldn't tell you until it, until I had to do it and promote it on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that I um, I got to be involved in it as well. So like, tell us about Hollyoaks in real life and how what, was, what that was like, because that has been such a huge thing for you, hasn't it, on your journey? It's been phenomenal. Yeah, it's been absolutely mental. So. Yeah. Basically, there was a lot of uh, talk going around that John Jr. was making a film on the Hollyoaks storyline and um, Lion Pictures got wind of it. And um, they said to me that you've inspired us to make this series and we would like you to be part of it. We would like you to be the first episode. What would you think? And I was like, 100%. As long as he doesn't step on my toes with what I'm doing, 100% behind that. And he didn't. He was literally focused on the Hollyoaks storyline and a little bit about my campaigning, about my film and stuff, and what we're doing. So it was perfect. And then they said, we're going to be having other people involved as well that have storylines have helped them. So I was like, this is amazing. Really, really enjoy the idea. It's great. So I did a couple of Zooms, did a meeting, and ended up filming with Ashley Dawson uh, in Wimslow at uh, his restaurant. Oh, wow. Um, so we did it there, and then we then we did half a film in there, and we did half film at mine, my house, and then we did an extra day at um, Worsley Park in Salford, which was incredible. Mm. Um, being involved in something like that, something that saved my life, mm. was I, I I'm speechless. I can't even I can't even say how it makes me feel. About I just know that. Level. Yeah, it is just another level, and then I can just say that it. It helped me and changed my life, and uh, it was one of the most greatest experiences I've ever ever done. You know, um, yeah. And it was a pleasure to to promote it and also to watch it. Like, what was it like getting to meet the actors? I bet that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty crazy. 
Um, yeah. We were like, I was like, this is bizarre, right? Mm. He's like, what? He's like, um, I love you. He said, I love you as well. I said, we better not say that on camera. Anyway, we did. We said, we said we love each other, which we do. And I said, he'll always be a place in my heart, mate. Like, it was like, it was like, not in love, but like, mm. I do love him. Like, he yeah. saved my life. He saved your life. Yeah. So I forever, you know, owe him everything. But I don't, if that makes sense. I get and, it. Um, mm. we, had a good, we had a good laugh off camera. Um, we all had lunch together, had a laugh and a joke. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, we exchanged numbers. Uh, he texts me regularly to see how I am. Uh, I got a phone oh. call from him. Um, and if you didn't know, that he was in a pop group a long time ago, years really? ago. Really? He's a singer. He's a singer, yeah. Um, and it's really funny, actually, because we went to the same primary school. <laughs> what are the odds wow yeah it was crazy um oh. and i was telling him about a song that i wrote and re and released on apple music and i sent it to him and he said to me you need that that needs to go in the hollyoaks uh real life that needs to go in there it needs yes to. um and we were speaking about uh him helping me making a track and maybe contributing to it as well in the future. okay now that's exciting John, mm -hmm. keep me updated on that. I will do, 100%. And then, and then the reassurance mug that you know about, yeah? Yes. The, the reassurance mug, yeah? I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John's showing us a mug for everyone who's in, watching on Spotify. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually on the uh, Hollyoaks uh, documentary as well. Yeah. I'll leave, um, I'll leave a link to the documentary in, in the bio as well because it's a great 10-minute um, documentary. It's really interesting to yeah. hear your story and also... Like when you're explaining that then to me, I feel like it's so surreal because it's a complete 360 experience. You went from watching it to then, you know, meeting him to telling him how he saved your life. I mean, that to me, I'm almost struggling to get my head around it. It's so surreal, John. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's, well, there have been a lot of people that have messaged me saying that storyline helped me, uh, which has been so comforting and lovely to hear. Um, but like going from um that basically i rang up bbc uh radio five live and i said um a suicide storyline saved my life i want to share it with the world mm. so i ended up doing an interview with um with um five drive uh, cool. in december and after that they said would you like to do an interview would you like to have a chat with ashley dawson and and thank him for saving your life i was like you know what 100 make it happen yeah. make it rain baby <laughs> so they did. In January, we recorded uh, a podcast, which is on the BBC website um, and BBC Sounds. And um, from that, my whole life has changed um, and other people's lives have changed as well. Um, mm. Because from that actual um, podcast that we did, I decided to, well, I decided I wanted to make a feature film on it uh, to help other people. And then from this, I inspired it. I inspired Line Pictures to make the uh, Hollyoaks in Real Life series, which I never didn't been even done, know that. Which has never been done before. Yeah, which has yeah. never been done before. I didn't even know that. I mean, that to me, wow! It just again, it just proves how even when you don't expect it, you can inspire somebody, and then that can start a whole chain of events that led to this. And now those documentaries, Hollyoaks in Real Life they will then inspire people too. And then it's just a chain reaction. It never really ends. And like I say to you all the time, I'm just, yeah, I'm in awe. I think you're fantastic. And I think it's just, <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, before we wrap up, because this episode has gone so fast as always, 
Um, we have to mention a very big project that you're working on. If everything you, you know, you do so much, if all of that wasn't enough, yeah. you are working on a project called The Mood is Temporary that we spoke about um, towards the beginning of the, of the episode. Um, so tell me about The Mood is Temporary and what, what's going on. Okay, so The Mood is Temporary is uh, a British drama uh, based on true, uh, true events of myself. Uh, it is set in uh, lockdown 2020, uh, and it's about um, a guy called Harrison mm -hmm. uh, who suffers from um, borderline personality disorder and depression, and he has a girlfriend called Lauren. She has narcissistic personality disorder. Oh, um, so um, this kind of thing has never been done before. It's something that's out there and we want to do it. Um, so it's going to be a feature-length film, 90 minutes, set in Manchester and Cornwall. Oh, lovely. So, yeah, so it'd be good, that. Um, so um, Harrison um, is in a domestic abusive relationship with Lauren while struggling with his mental health, and he is a volunteer uh, at a mental health charity. And uh, he's helping a lot of people, talking on the phones, on web chat, um, you know, giving support over text and stuff, and really enjoys his volunteering work. Um, he's struggling that much with his mental health and can't deal with Lauren. Lauren has her own therapy and stuff going on like that. She's a social, a social uh, media influencer. Um, she's all about the likes and about how she looks and all that, et cetera, et cetera. And so is he. But he hides behind things. He's not happy with life. He ends up um, he ends up going to uh, Cornwall and um, planning uh, to take his life uh, and watches a storyline on TV, which is the Hollyoak storyline. Yeah, saves his life. Um, he comes back to Manchester. His mum's uh, extremely distraught with what she's heard on the radio and seen on the TV. And uh, she actually is a doctor in the NHS working throughout the COVID pandemic. And uh, he's very upset that he didn't approach her because she deals with this day in, day out. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that's all I can say right now. But, uh, oh. yeah, that's a bit of a gist to it. But uh, we've got some really, really um, amazing people involved in it. We, yeah. we have we have um, a script consultant called Angela Samata. She is the script consultant for Channel Four um, and That's Hollywood. Cool. Oh, yeah, she um, she lost her husband eleven years ago um, oh, nice. to suicide, and she filmed and presented BBC um, Life After Suicide, which was nominated for a BAFTA. Um, I watched that. Yeah, did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was powerful. Yeah, so we've got her, and she's an absolutely incredible woman. She's like a second mum to me, a big sister, and very supportive with everything that I do. Uh, we have a first draft um, of the script, which is absolutely incredible. Um, I've casted uh, Harrison, which is my very good friend, uh, Marco Robinson. I was going to mention that, yeah. That's yeah. exciting, isn't it? Um, so he's going to be playing me. Um, he has his own mental health problems and he's okay with me saying that. Mm. Um, so, and he understands my weird, quirky personality. We spend a lot of time together online yeah. and we have a lot of meals together and that. Um, great guy. He's done a lot of things for the world and like I am. 
And I always see him as kind of like a role model myself, very inspirational, very motivational, and uh, extremely, extremely uh, proud of me, what I'm doing. I'm proud of him, what he's doing as well. Um, so that's that with that. But um, the crew that I've got together, a lady called Chloe Richardson, she lost her brother to suicide two oh, years gosh. ago. Uh, but she's a producer of the production. Um, and then she's picked all the team um, from Falmouth, so in Cornwall, um, which is great. And I've met them all. We've done some videos together. We've met, teamed up. Um, so, yeah, we start filming next year in uh, August 2022. Um, wow. So, yeah, we can't wait for it. And uh, we want it to go box office. We've got contacts at, at uh, Cinema, Cineworld and Odeon and that, so that won't be a problem. Oh, my goodness. John? Yeah, we, we, we want to take it, mate. We want to go. We want to get it in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, Let's maybe do it. Get, may, maybe get nominated for an Oscar. Who knows, mate? Who knows? You know we, want to, we want to go everywhere with it. John, this is this all sounds so exciting. I mean, all the work you do as well. And now you're actually making this happen. You are producing a feature film. And this is such an important film as well. I cannot wait to watch it. I'm just going to be there, like, glued to the screen, watching the whole film. Um, I'll share it as much as I'm able to. I honestly cannot wait. Um, you've got an Instagram for the filming as well, haven't you, where people can, like, see all behind-the-scenes stuff? Yeah, they can see all that, yeah. It's just the mood is temporary. Um, yeah. You can find it out on there. That's not a problem. Um, so, I mean, I was going to play myself and direct it at the same time, but given the emotional stand from it all, I don't think it's yes. a good idea to a lot, play myself. It? Yeah, so I'm just going to be directing the feature. Um so yeah, so we're looking forward to it. To be honest, well, that's be incredible because you directing it, you are you can then make sure it's really happening from your perspective of how it was for you then. Yeah, because it's so personal to you, um, and I think that's why you've you know you've cast the right actors really because you they all know you on that level because like everybody we're all so individual but especially you John I mean having met you you are so unique we're all unique but you are really unique and um. It's it's incredible to get that connection across over on the camera. Um, so yeah, I I'm sure everybody will be supporting it. I cannot wait to watch it. And yeah, like keep us updated with that. Hey, 100. You can come to the screening. Bring I'd love to come. Please yeah. bring your bring a friend with you. It's I'll fine. come you, to you the screening. Come. You can come. Uh, okay, so yeah, you you message me near the time and more than we'll arrange that then. <laughs> oh. yeah, fine, We've I've said it on the podcast now, so that's it. There we go, guys. It's committed. John, I mean, you have been such a pleasure to speak to. Thank you. I just, I just want to say thank you. I mean, we have covered such a lot of ground, you know, from your story to your work to Hollyoaks to just su such a lot. It's been, I mean, there's, there's so, and the thing is there's so much more we could speak about, but I think this gives, you know, a lovely intro into you and what you're doing. And if people do want to connect, I'll leave all of your Instagram in bios uh, below for your personal page and for the film. And you are such an approachable person. I know that if anybody right now is suffering or even if people want to be educated on BPD, OCD, they might have a family member or a friend who's currently being diagnosed. They can message you and you can give them advice and, you know, recommendations and support. And it's just... It's great to know that we've got that in you and so many other people, John. So, yeah, thank you so, so much. Cheers. Thank you for inviting me to be your guest, Jack. I really, really appreciate it. Charlie's enjoyed it as well. Um, thank you, Charlie, yeah. as yeah. well. Thanks, thank Charlie. You. Say thank you, Charlie. <laughs>
There you go. That's all you're getting out of it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, John. Hi everyone, thank you so much for listening to a brand new episode of Slice of Life with me, Jack Walton. Please rate, share and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google and wherever else you get your episodes from. And don't forget to follow me on social media, I am Jack Walton, to keep updated with brand new episodes. As always, thank you so much to this month's guest, John Jr., to our podcast producer, Callan Danes, and you, the viewer, for listening. I'll see you next month. <laughs>